0: Welcome to this very special New Year's Eve episode of Back to the Point. I'm your host, Rick Golding from BC High's Class of 2004. And on the podcast today, we have Ryan Walls, who is not only an alum of BC High, but he's also a writer and producer on the hit show Modern Family on ABC. Uh, if you haven't heard of that, I don't know where you've been for the past 10 years. It's going into its 10th season. It's an extremely successful show. It's hilarious. Uh, it's one of the best shows on TV, in my opinion, um, and Ryan writes and produces that show um, as part of a team of, of folks out there in, uh, in California, and he actually joined us on Christmas morning by telephone. So I'm happy to report that uh, our first podcast recording by telephone was very successful from a sound quality uh, and just overall quality standpoint. Um, but I just, I'm also very grateful to Ryan for taking time out of, uh, his Christmas morning, which he, his Christmas Eve morning, which he should have been spending with his wife or his family. Um, and instead he was on his cell phone in, in some, uh, you know, in some corner of his house talking to me. So thank you very much for that. Uh, before we get to the pod, uh, really quickly, I have a great idea. If you haven't subscribed on SoundCloud or iTunes yet to this podcast, how about you make that a New Year's resolution, and you can go and do that right now and check it off the New Year's resolution list, and you'll be rolling into 2019 one and zero. So go do that right now. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. Get that done. Also send us your feedback back to the point at bchigh.edu, at bchigh on Twitter, at BC high eagles on Instagram. Uh, I'm at Rick Goulding and the number three on Instagram. Those are all great ways to send us your thoughts, Um, and we want to hear them. We want to keep, you know, making this uh, something that folks enjoy and are excited about. uh, And we're always willing to adapt and change and kind of make this podcast kind of be a living, breathing organism, um, so that uh, so that you know we can we can give the people what they want, give the listeners what they want. Uh, all right, so Ryan, uh, as I said, Ryan joined me on Christmas Eve morning uh, by telephone, uh, and we had a great conversation. We we talked a lot about what he's doing nowadays and what it's like to write for a TV show, um, what that process is like, uh, the parts of it that he enjoys, what he's learned kind of over over the course of his um, his career in writing. Um, we talked a lot about his uh, his time at BC High. And uh, the things that he kind of got involved with there, um, that really shaped kind of the direction that he wanted to go in. So there's a lot of good stuff here. It was a lot of fun. I I, I laughed a lot. I probably laughed maybe more than any other podcast. I think that might be the case. He uh, just he just it Ryan's hilarious as you'll hear. He's he's hysterical. So um, all right, well let's get to it. Here's Ryan Walls. All right, we are recording this uh, we're recording this on Christmas Eve actually, at about 10:30 Eastern time. And Ryan Walls, who's a classmate of mine, uh, has been good enough to take time out of his schedule. He's on the West Coast, so it's very early for him. Um, but he's taking time out of his schedule to sit down with us. He's a producer and a writer on Modern Family, um, and we were fortunate enough to sit down with him today. Ryan, Merry Christmas, How you doing?
1: Three thirty in the morning here. <laughs> it, okay, you woke me up. Uh, no, I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, yeah, this is the first phone call interview, right?
0: Yeah, this is the first. Oh, all right. Yeah, this is the first time we're we're not in person, but I think it'll be good. So far, so good. I think the the sound quality is pretty good so far. So I
1: think I think there's a pretty big West Coast contingent, so hopefully this uh, opens up a lot
0: of doors. Yeah, we would love to get more folks from the West Coast on to get
1: some some more qualified people to speak you from the West Coast.
0: So. <laughs> All right. So can you, to start, I, I, I'm i genuinely curious um, if you could talk a little bit about what you're up to these days and what it's like to be a producer and a writer on Modern Family.
1: Um, so we're in our 10th season, and we will do about, tw- we'll do 22 episodes. That's our order. And so we will work May through March um, writing and producing those episodes.
0: That's cool. So when you say that you're going to work May through March, producing and writing those episodes, what's the process like to, you know, basically write a season of Modern Family?
1: Sure. So we'll all get together uh, May and start warming up those muscles. And basically, we sit there and we're like, okay, what do we want to? What are the stories we want to tell this year? Um, where do we want to see the characters go and grow? Um, so we have some big stuff planned for this year. So we decided that in May and we kind of plot out. How can we get there in our season? So we have a team of about, there's 15 of us, and I work with some amazing people. I'm the young guy in the room. Um, so the people I work with have worked on everything from, you know, uh, Golden Girls to Frasier, Wings, all sorts of stuff. Um, really classic shows, so I've been learning a lot there. So I sit with these guys and these women, and we uh, kind of plot it all out. We do the brush strokes, and then in our week-to-week, we kind of figure out the finer points to the season, So basically we'll break an episode and then someone will be assigned that episode and you'll go off and you'll write for a week. They give you a week to go away. Some people go work in hotels. Some people lock themselves in their basement um, (laughs) and they come back with, you know, a 35-page script. And then we all work on it together as a group and kind of fine tune it. And then we have a table read and our amazing cast comes in and they perform the, you know, the script. And then we make more changes from there. And then the next Monday after the table read, table read's always Wednesday, and then following Monday we uh, we film the episode.
0: Wow, so that's pretty cool. When the when the uh, the cast comes in and does the table read, do they have the opportunity to weigh in and kind of give you guys notes or edits on the script?
1: Um, The cast is unbelievable, but they'll they'll definitely ask questions like, "Hey, what's here? Like, um, just about this? What's my attitude here?" Uh, you know, simple things like that. And then when we're on the stage, it's definitely collaborative. If there's something that's not working or there's an idea, maybe an idea like how to make it funnier. It's, it's, it's so collaborative. It's really cool. So if it's your episode, you're on set with the actors and you're kind of just, yeah, you're just working it the whole time. So it's pretty great.
0: That's, that's awesome. And what is it like, you know, what's it like to be part of something that has such a long runway for kind of its creation? And then to sit down, you know, and tune into ABC and watch those episodes. What's that? What's that feel like? You know, going from beginning to end.
1: It's pretty cool. I mean, when I jo- I joined the show in season seven, so this is my fourth year there. Um, but I was such a fan of the show, and I think it's everyone's mom's favorite show, including my own. <laughs> so when when I got this job, uh, my mom was very excited. Um, and what's so great is you learn very quickly the people that work on this show, they they take so much from their own lives and they put it in their show, in the show, which is great. Most, most of the time, but say your spouse has a funny quirk or something happens. You bring it up in our writer's room and it makes the show. Usually that person finds out when they watch it on TV. Uh, And so they've been, you know, their spouse has been outed for telling them, telling a story about them in the room, which is always pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, But it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. It's such a, such a tight knit community there it's the you know between the writing staff the actors and our crew it's got to be at least about 150 people and this group of people have been working together for 10 years now um so a lot goes into making it so it's really cool to see it um the final product when it's on tv
0: yeah and w- can i ask you uh if you've taken anything from your own life and put it into an episode
1: hmm okay this is pretty good we were doing an episode where it was going to be little five-minute segments. And kind of the, the idea behind that was how quickly can your life change in five minutes? And uh, my coworker, Elaine co wrote it. And if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a, she did a great job. It's a really funny episode. But um, Mitch and Cam are going to go on a trip. So they're on the plane. They're taxiing, and they take their, their plane medication. It's like this unknown plane medication. And this is something my mom does. And my mom is terrified to fly, and she takes a pill, and she's just like not. She's like kind of in and out of it, but she's kind of like, uh, you know, wonky, a little out there when she's on the pills. But it allows her to fly and come visit me in LA. So medicine is great. <laughs> um, but when I was growing up, she took it, and we were at a, we had a layover, and I remember like, oh no, where's mom? We couldn't find her. My dad's like, oh, where's your mother? We got to go find her, and we found her in a lid's trying to buy a bunch of hats. We're like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, you guys need hats, don't you? <laughs> get out of here. I think Delvin was about to get like a $400 commission on all these hats. So he was not psyched to he tried my mom out of the airport. lives. But when we were breaking the story about Mitch and Cam, we said, well, what's a weird thing people do when they uh, when they take pills to go on planes? Uh, and I said, well, sometimes they go and try to buy like a $1,000 worth of hats. And people are like that's not true. I'm like, oh, it's true. And I told well, the story that I just told you. And <laughs> okay, let's do it. And so in the up the mission camp, they take the sleeping pill. However, their plane gets delayed, so they have to get off the plane. And so then they're roaming the lobby, and they end up trying to pass. And so uh, yes, my, my mom was happy. Thankfully, it was a good it was a good experience overall.
0: I was just going to ask you, what was your reaction?
1: Was, she thought it was funny. She thought it was pretty funny. She did. Okay. Yeah. Good.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, Shout out to Mrs. Walls for being so good. Um, No, that's cool. Uh, What's it like, you know, being, you said you've got a great kind of collaborative team. Um, What would you say is the biggest difference from when you first started to where you are now in terms of not only your role, but has anything changed overall in, um, you know, writing the episodes or your approach or anything like that?
1: Sure. I think when I first got this job, it was like, oh, wow, I'm like getting called up the big leagues from AAA ball, you know? Yeah. That'd be my only sports metaphor this entire <laughs> when, when we When we get into the BCI stuff, <laughs> we'll quickly learn I didn't make any teams. So that's what you – there you go. All, All right. right.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: Yep. All right. I'm trying to connect with the kids. <laughs> okay. Um, Good. That's uh, so, cool when I got this job, it was a lot of like really learning how to listen and learning how to write the show from the people who have become, who have become so good at it. Yeah. And that was a lot of just like seeing the way people pitch in the room and pitch ideas in the room. Yeah. wasn't making another sports metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just basically learning a lot from how these people do it. And what's so cool is when you're on, when it's your episode, you're on set. And so from there, you know, you're learning from one of our showrunners will be on set with you. And, you know, they're tweaking things. So you're really looking for, oh, I'm learning the pace of the rhythm of the show. And also, like, even when it comes to writing jokes, it's the same thing. It's like, is this the right voice of the character? And so now four seasons in, I think I maybe am getting close to figuring it out.
0: Got it. I'm, yeah. I, 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 think, I think you're doing pretty well, Ryan. So Thank you. <laughs> so c- can I ask you who your favorite character to write for is? Or is that kind of taboo?
1: Um, I love writing for Ed O'Neill, who is a, a television legend, Ed O'Neill, who plays Jay Pritchett on the show. Yeah, And what's so funny is, like, we write him, like, he either grew up in, like, the 1930s or the 1960s, because it's, like, he's really into, like, bare-knuckle boxing, and you can write really weird jokes for him. <laughs> like, it's a lot of back-in-my-day jokes. yeah. And, you know, like, he's obsessed with, like, Dwight Eisenhower, Father of the Freeway, that kind of stuff. And that's always kind of funny because you're pulling up really weird old references to make those jokes happen. Yeah. But also uh, Cam, because you can make endless farm jokes. And those are always <laughs> a blast. And obviously Eric Stone Street just brings it. Yeah. So it's always fun to see him just go. So you always want to give him something to play with.
0: Yeah, for sure. How much... How often does the cat uh, the cast go off script? You know, is it is any of it improv, or do they kind of is the approach that they stick to it pretty pretty closely? It's
1: pretty close to the script. We'll definitely we'll do takes where you know let's just get it down. We'll get the script, and then we'll have a little more room to play around. But for the most part, we stick we, we stick to the script mostly.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So, and and so as of this year, you've become a producer on the show. Is that right? That's right. What. What's, the, what's been the difference in kind of your responsibilities or um, what's asked of you from, on a day-to-day basis now that you have the title of producer as well as writer?
1: There's not a huge difference. Um, it's a lot of the same stuff we've, I've been doing, but it's actually just a level. As a writer, you start off as a... Sorry, this is going to get very like wonky about television writing.
0: No, no, no. It's cool. Go for
1: it. Within, within the writer's guild, when you get your first writing job, you're hired as staff writer, and then from staff writer, you're going to go to story editor, which you don't edit anything, that's just what it's called, <laughs> and then you go to, no joke, get ready, executive story editor, which doesn't change anything. You don't have to wear a tie, and you don't edit anything, and then you work your way up to co-producer, and then producer, and then there's like supervising producer, then co-executive producer, and then an executive producer. So when you watch a TV show and you see there's like 5,000 executive producers, most of the time, those are writers who are just high-level writers.
0: I gotcha. Okay.
1: But, when you, but you do do some producing when it's your episode. You'll be involved in the casting of people. So say so you needed a guest star to come in and play like the doctor, you go down to casting work with our great casting team and we'll go find like who's going to play the doctor. So that kind of aspect of it, you are producing your own episode in that way.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. Um... What's been a moment where you found yourself kind of like awestruck or starstruck either, you know, from someone you met or just from what you were doing, it kind of hit you like I'm writing a TV show.
1: Wow, that's a good question. I will say this. It's always every time we go to the table to do a table read, I'm always in awe of just like seeing these people just who have just kind of seen these words from just recently, like immediately get, get what they're doing, get what the story is and just knocking out of the park. Um, when we do do the table reads in the show, there's um, Joe Pritchett is like the six-year-old son of Jane Gloria. Mm-hmm. And um, I read the Joe part at the table reads. So I am often sitting across from Sophia Vigar and Ed O'Neill, and that's who I read with. And that always gets my palms a little sweaty.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's great. It's, it's, it's great. Has, has there been anybody that you um, have been part of casting an episode uh, you know, that you wanted a guest star for that you brought in and you were kind of like, wow, you know, I just I just said that I wanted to cast X person and they came in and we're running with it.
1: Uh, there was an episode where we were going to have, where we did have Jay and Phil own a parking lot together. So we're like, who would be like a crazy fun parking lot attendant? And we had a discussion about bringing in Niecy Nash. And if you don't know Nisi Nash, you have to look her up. She was in Reno 911. She has a show right now called Claws on TNT. She is unbelievable. <laughs> and we reached out to her, and she's like, I'm in. And so I got to spend a couple of days working with her, and it was, like, the coolest thing. She just crushes it. <laughs> uh, so it was it was great having her there. But we've been looking up, you know, Arden Short been on the show. We just had, like, Ed Begley Jr. come in to do a part. And just really funny people come in and want to, you know, play around and do the part for the week. And
0: it's great. Gotcha. And let me ask you about, um, facing, if you faced kind of any situation in, in your, um, uh, in your position as a writer where you've either pitched an idea to the room and someone has just said like, no, you know, that, that's just not going to work and (laughs) shot you down completely. Or if you, if you've been on set or at a table read and one of, the, um, one of the members of the cast of the show has said, I, I don't, this doesn't make sense. I don't want to do this. We're not doing it.
1: We've never had a cast member do that. They, were very, they put a lot of faith in us. And they know that we want the best for the show. So yeah. everyone, everyone's been pretty good about that. But routinely, <laughs> routinely, I will pitch something that gets cricket in the room. <laughs> and that is just like, there's nothing better than a bunch of people who are like your comedy writing heroes sitting around you. And you're like, oh, I got that hot take, and you're like, here we go, and you say it, and then everyone just looks at you, and you're like, all right, here we go, like moving on. So, but guess what? You know what's so reassuring? From the lowest level guy to the top guy, everybody pitches a bomb sometimes. It's great.
0: Yeah. So that was it. Was you're kind of getting at my my follow up question? What do you do? How do you respond to that when you pitch something and it just bombs? Like what? Where do you go from there?
1: I personally throw a chair and storm out of the room. <laughs> I, I, I don't respond well to it. I get so mad.
0: <laughs> uh, uh,
1: and no. then I go outside and vape for 25. <laughs> I, I come back in and I repitch the exact same joke. <laughs> okay. Um, no, you're, just, you're like, all right, that didn't work. But why didn't it work? You kind of have to process it in your head.
0: Yeah. So so when, when something bombs, does it help you as a writer in a lot of ways? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Because you're just getting it out. And if anything, maybe you're just warming yourself up a little bit, hopefully. Yeah. But it's, it's mostly, it's a group of people sitting in a room trying to think funny things. And when it comes to jokes getting in, it is a meritocracy because if the room laughs, it goes in. And if the room doesn't laugh, you... Have a small fit, and then you, uh, you know, you move on.
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Okay, cool. So let's let's step back a little bit. Um, what came before this? So, if oh my I, god. I, <laughs> so maybe maybe it makes a little bit more sense to kind of start back at um, to work our way back from BC High to how you got here. Let's talk about how you ended up at BC High because I think you uh, you have a a little bit of a unique story in terms of coming back to Massachusetts and, uh, coming to BC high.
1: Yeah. So my family, we moved from, we lived in Westchester, Pennsylvania, which is about about 30 minutes outside Philly up until I was in eighth grade. And then after eighth grade, my parents were like, we're moving to Massachusetts. And I was like, great. (laughs) So I can't wait to leave all my friends and go to Massachusetts, where my grandmother lives. <laughs> yeah. And no, so we're like, okay, it was kind of always in the plan. My mom's from Situate. My dad said. But they were very smart, because they knew the transition would maybe be tough. So they said, you know, I think maybe BC High would be a good fit for you. And I had heard about BC High, because my grandmother actually lived across the street from Paul and Joan Hunter. And hopefully... People still know who Paul Hunter is. He was, like, this legendary teacher and coach at BC High. Yeah, my parents loved the school just because they loved Paul Hunter. Um, and that was kind of our affiliation with the school. But they said, you know what? Everyone at BC High is kind of like the kid. Cause, you know, because everyone's coming from these different towns. So it made the transition a little easier. So I did Eagle for a day. We came up on, like, a random... I took day off school in eighth grade and came up at Eagle for a day. And then, you know, took the test, got in. And... I think I met you right around then too, that summer.
0: Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And so I do remember this before we get there. I remember my parents will bring this up. My dad said, when you go to BC High, there's a dress code. You have to wear, you know, khaki pants. You can't wear jeans and you have to wear a button down shirt tucked in. I said, okay, what do the girls wear? And they thought that was the funniest thing in the world. And that's only that there weren't any girls at the school. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you. Tell me about the variant. No. Um <laughs> so I, met, I met you the summer before we started our freshman year. That's right. And there was a crew, situate crew, yep. that was going there. And I, you introduced me to a lot of those guys. Yeah. And this was obviously before the train. Not to date myself. This was 1830. Yeah. <laughs> this is before the train was running in situate. Right. We had that, we had an hour long bus ride to and from school. Yes. And that was great. A lot of, a lot of friendships forged on the bus.
0: Yes, very much so. Yeah.
1: Yep. And that's, uh, yeah, that's how I ended up at BCI. It's because we were moving back up from Philly, Boy, that was a long answer moving up from Philly and, uh,
0: no, that's great.
1: Uh, it's so an easier transition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and, um, were your parent your parent? How'd you feel about what your parents said in terms of the transition? Did you feel like uh, going to BC High and kind of starting with all of us? Did that make the transition from leaving your friends and starting anew easier?
1: Um, it, as, as easy as that could be, yeah. I think so. I think it helped. Yeah, because again, yeah, people coming from all different towns, not everybody knows each other. Where had I gone to Situate High? People have been with each other since kindergarten. Yeah. So, that's and, true. you know, my parents were like, and you'll probably get beat up. No, not at all.
0: <laughs> that didn't happen.
1: Um, You're not going to do... They're like, either you can start on the football team at Situate High, or <laughs> you can get cut from every tryout at this <laughs> times. but it'll take you an hour to get there. And I said, let's do it.
0: No. <laughs> uh No, and, and just to clarify for anybody's listening, Ryan... Uh, Ryan and I r- rode um, a bus that went, I think, through Marshfield and Pembroke and then came up um, up 3A and through Situate, Cohasset, uh, and then took all of us to school. And this predated the Greenbush line. So this is how we used to get to school before the Greenbush line was around. Right.
1: Uh, and there was a bridge. There was a terrible bridge in Weymouth that was being held together by, like, duct tape. And... <laughs> It would get stuck. It would lift up so boats could go under it.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: And it would get it would get stuck, and then we we'd just sit there, and we'd show up at school at like ten thirty, and we're like the bridge stuck. So yeah. like, Aaron. Right. <laughs> I
0: you'd, remember that. you to
1: go. would have to go to talk to like Mrs. Penny Miller. Yeah. Office, and be like the bridge was stuck, and she'd always complain about the bridge.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm just so you know, I'm happy to report that that bridge has been um, replaced.
1: I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs>
0: well um, so once we once you know once you started your freshman year at BC High what was it like Um, you know obviously you were you were kind of getting integrated into uh, the group of friends that you mentioned from from Situate because you lived there but what was what was it like otherwise you know academically and and things like that for you as you started
1: I remember showing up right, let me let me paint a picture because this is a you know, this is an audio thing. Yeah, I I weighed about eighty five pounds, and I was five foot three. <laughs> and I remember showing up on my first day, and Matt Stoller had a goatee, and oh, thinking, yeah. "Oh my god!" Like, I when is this going to happen for me? <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and it just seeing like the, the football team, our. Freshman year, the senior of the varsity football team. Yeah, huge, huge yeah. people.
0: Yeah, they, I think they and won I, the Super I, Bowl.
1: And I remember actually thinking, I can't wait. In four years, I'll look like that. This is great. <laughs> I'll be six five. Or yeah, <laughs> crushing it. Yeah. No. Um, so showing up, but I was like, okay, so roll up. But academically, it was like, what are we doing? And yeah. they're were like, we're gonna read, we're gonna read the Odyssey. And you're like, all right, let's do it. And they're like, in some ancient Greek. You're like fantastic. And it was, it was a little hard at first, but it was so everyone was in it together and it kind of became common. It's what we expected. I think very, very quickly they said, this is going to be a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Yeah. And that was great because that kind of got me really into writing.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so that's, that's a great jumping off point. Let's talk about that. Do you feel like BCI had any impact on not only kind of the path you chose, but you know how how you write, how you approach things today.
1: Definitely, and I think Phil Perry in, in an episode that if you haven't listened to everybody, you should listen to it.
0: Thank you very much for the plug. Yeah. I I didn't uh, I didn't tip Ryan off on that for everybody listening. You sent me a, a mug with
1: hard candies in it. <laughs> Note that, that please plug please the podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> especially
1: especially the Phil Perry episode. The listenership was down for Phil. I don't know why? He's such a nice guy. It's not true. <laughs> he does a good job. He's, yeah, yeah. He's also on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. He sent me a mug with hard candies. <laughs> uh, it was 2004, the class of 2004, was such a funny group of people. Yeah. And I know if you're currently at that school and you think your class is funny, it's not that funny. <laughs> you guys are, guess what? You guys are clever. You're witty. I bet you're, I bet you're a lot of fun. You're not as funny as 2004. <laughs> okay?
0: Just calling out so many people right now. It's
1: fine. I'll see you at the reunion. <laughs> Talk about it. Listen. Yeah. So, no, 2004 was such a funny group of people. Yeah. Everyone was just so much fun to be around. It's so funny. And if you kind of, if you wanted to hang, you had to bring something to the table. And so it was like, okay, we got to, what, what can I, what can I throw out there? You know? And it's a little bit, it was a little bit like a writer's room. Because you might throw something out there, a joke, and it doesn't get a laugh, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> so, you gotta, so, yes, I was prepped early on. Yeah. In mean, an hour-long all-boys bus. Yeah. Four years at B.C. High, I can handle a little bit of rejection. So. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, uh, and, and plenty of dances. I can handle rejection.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, would you say that? No, what...
1: Yes, but I would, I would say definitely, like, because we were taught how to write in the sophomore essay, yeah. You're learning how to make an argument and you're learning also how to tell a story. And those were like two big things, I think, that were taught there. Yeah. And I think I took those and kind of ran with it. And that's what I wanted to try to pursue. So, and we have a lot of guys now that are writers, whether it's for TV or for newspaper sports and stuff. I think people have really um, carried that with them.
0: Yeah. 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 Can you point to any particular moment or any particular class or anything like that or a teacher or anything uh, at BC High where? You were, you know, you're going through the day to day grind and you think to yourself, this, this, what I'm doing right now, or this class that I'm sitting in right now, this is what I love and this is what I want to do.
1: There was a time, I think it was junior year, where I was getting a little more involved with the Eagle School paper. And Bobby Bowman was running the show, I think, then. And he said, okay, you can do an article if you want. And so, get ready. It was called Off the Walls.
0: Forgot about that. That's incredible. I, by
1: the way, I just completely undermined my argument that 2004 <laughs> was a really funny group of people, or at least I was.
0: You were you were being ironic. I like it. It's best good. Best
1: idea. Best idea. Yeah. So, but Bobby's like, yeah, write about whatever you want, and so I would just start writing about stuff and like ripping on like, why do I have to take the SATs at 8:30 in the morning, or uh, the, the questions that parents ask on college tours, really, really. A plus material, <laughs> um, but it was fun to have that creative outlet. Yeah, and so I thought like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then we did. There were the senior follies.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that.
1: Got involved to do that, and it was almost like a little. I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're still doing them at the school, but when we did them, they were bringing them back for the first time in like twenty years. Yeah. And it was kind of like an SNL episode. There were some interviews also, like some desk pieces, and then also like a monologue and some skit. There was some music. So it was really cool, and it was fun to have that outlet and not be really making people laugh. So it was
0: great. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. Um, they brought it back for us, but we also might have ruined it for everybody after that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people weren't happy at the end of that thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you, were, were you, uh, were you, did you act in that, or did you just write?
1: I wrote some stuff but I hosted some parts of it so I came out and did an opening monologue and then then I did a desk piece with uh, uh, Pat Ruff who was a administrator at the time at the school
0: that's right yes I remember that okay yeah I remember I I have this um, this memory of the performance I think it took place in McNeese that's right and uh, yeah I remember it's all coming back now your monologue and stuff like that so those it sounds like
1: I will I will send you a tape of it.
0: Oh, you have a tape of it? No, I don't. I don't oh, know. come on.
1: Imagine imagine if I had and I just watched it all the time. It's like ah.
0: Oh. <laughs> you, <laughs> you bring your wife into the room, you're like, Look, 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 come here.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's my version of like the dad making the kid watch his football. Like, look at this.
0: Yeah, watch watch what I do here, yeah.
1: <laughs> that was g- so good.
0: That's great. Um so you talk, you 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 comically hinted at this, but you mentioned that you didn't, you weren't, you didn't make any sports teams at BC High. Um, Thanks for
1: bringing it up again.
0: Listen, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to ask no, about.
1: No, that's what. This is an important. This is an important discussion to have. Yeah. Because BC High, each class has what twelve thousand boys in it, Yeah. and there's there's six spots for every team.
0: That's, I think that's right. I think you had the stats spot on.
1: You know what? I just I just went and edited the Wikipedia, so it's true. <laughs> so, yeah, Wikipedia. There's so forty eight thousand boys at that school.
0: What, so um, yeah. So talk about uh, you know, uh, you know whether whether it was freshman year or otherwise, trying out for something and then having to find kind of a different path at the school.
1: Yeah, and I think I guess what I think it's a a lot of people find themselves in this boat. Yeah, and. What's so great about PCI is if there isn't an option for you in one of the athletic teams, there are options elsewhere. There's so many clubs, including the 240 club, which, hey, no shame, okay? <laughs> go, go home if you want. Go do your thing. But I love it. There's a lot you can do. There's a lot you can do. So I remember, I think it was like, boy, whenever they do the tryouts, might have been in August. And I remember driving in with you and a bunch of other Situ guys to would try out for the soccer team. Oh, yeah. And I think... Didn't everyone in that van make the soccer team, but me?
0: I <laughs> I
1: don't remember. I oh oh I do.
0: <laughs> I don't remember if it was ever It's
1: fine. It's fine. I'm gonna sleep great tonight. It's fine. <laughs> so crying, clutching my yearbook in the tub. <laughs>
0: So, so okay. So you try you try out for the soccer. I,
1: I try I try out for soccer. Okay, and that was the only sport actually I was pretty good at. And by pretty good, I meant I did a lot of toe blowing the ball. And <laughs> I think I had like one shin pad. <laughs> That's... so. Coaches look at me. They're like, "All right, yeah. do we need a thirty pound guy for this?" No, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, you're not going to be one of the three people we pick. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. I thought soccer had more people. No. Any backups? were set. Okay. Great. So I'm like, all right. Football? Not going to happen. So after that, I was like, well, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So I remember I went to my guidance counselor and I was like, what are the options? And they're like, how do you feel about sailing? And I was like, I love boats. And they're like, great. So I actually did the sailing team, but that involved. Me in a boat with Chick Fagin. By the way, now this sounds like I went to BCI in the 1920s, but Chick Fagan was from Situate. Yes, yeah, so he was like a just a great sailor, and I would just sit in the boat and try to do learn knots. I guess. Yeah. And then I would just go home, and it was like, all right, I, did, I guess I did the team, but it was great. Yeah, yeah. A great, great way to meet people. For sure. Taking take the red line over to Charles MGH, getting in like a leaky boat, playing you know, chicken with a duck boat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I did that. And then I fully got involved with the paper. And yeah. that was kind of a, that was a great experience working at the paper and, but write little articles here and there and get him in. And that was always cool to see it in print. And then he you know, bring it home and be like, look at this. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So there, that was a really nice thing about the school was there were options. Yeah. You didn't, if you didn't make a sports team and I know there still are. So,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, so, May, 2004, we graduated together. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a great day. Um, but you went to Fordham from there, uh, another Jesuit school. Um, yep. what, so what, what did you do at Fordham that kind of led you to pursue, um, writing and, and show business and things like that?
1: Uh, let me think. Well, know you know what, I studied journalism. Yeah. Again, it was kind of like a lot of storytelling. And actually, when I went to go leave Fordham, there was an opportunity at the CBS early morning news. And I remember that you'll be like, you'll be like intern or like a low level employee there. And like, you get to wake up at 3.30 in the morning and go and like read news articles and like figure out what we're going to be talking about. And like, that actually sounds pretty cool. But I also had an opportunity to come out to L.A. and work on a reality show. And I was like, why don't I give L.A. six months? And then I'll just move back to New York. And that was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, But at Fordham, yeah, it was journalism. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Did you... Learning the rules, learning how to tell a story. I took one TV writing class because I'm like, oh, this might be kind of fun. And my internships were in television and they were in comedy. I, I interned at Bike TV, which was a thing back in the day. And over at The Daily Show. And that kind of got my blood pumping to maybe pursue comedy. That was a great experience.
0: Yeah. What was it like on The Daily Show? It was awesome. Yeah.
1: So basically they moved you around to every department. So you might be sitting with the director and you learn how they direct the episode. Or if you're working with the audience um, coordinator, you're putting people into the seats and you have to get up and give them a speech, which is like, I don't know if I can remember it. Imagine if I went into the full speech right now because I did remember it. That'd be amazing. Um, I know. But it was basically like, please, no cell phones. No beepers. Why do you have a beeper? Uh, and I was like, Please don't ask to hug John Stewart. Yeah, because I guess people would do that, which is pretty creepy. Um, so I would have to give the speech and then sit everybody down and then steal phones if someone you know had bugged one in. Yeah. But you're around there. You're on the writers. You see that morning meeting. where they talk about. Here's what we're going to cover today. And it was just amazing. And then you see the dress rehearsal. What doesn't work. And they'd be like, Okay, we're going to do a joke about. Um, Star Trek, and one of the guys on the staff would be like, okay, there's a Klingon episode, season four. You know, so you would have to run out into New York City, grab the set, uh, yeah, like actual video cassette, (laughs) like run it back, and they would like get the clip, put it on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and when I was there, they had like a bunch of TiVos going, and the show like ran on TiVos, because that's how they would like clips. Oh, my God. Now they have like a much more advanced and sophisticated Uh, video collection system but it was really cool to be in that production
0: that's cool and
1: kind of seeing how they do it on a day-to-day basis and that kind of got me amped to kind of go into tv
0: got it and so then the reality tv opportunity came up
1: reality tv opportunity came up it was a show that no one ever saw which was great
0: (laughs) what was it called
1: it was called i bet you (laughs) okay okay you know what i shouldn't say no one saw it when i got there we were filming season three it was on the mojo network which <laughs> yeah that's right my parents were like what did you spend on college and you're working doing what and but guess what it was 2008 and all my roommates who wanted to finance were dealing with that yeah right so i was like well i got a job working at mojo and so i bet you these two pro po- two pro poker players Phil Locke and Antonio Spendiarri best friends and they bet each other on everything and so in real life yeah we would they would learn a skill and then make a bet and then try to compete against each other so it could be motocross it could be alligator wrestling
0: wow so i want to i gotta i'm after we finish this i'm definitely doing a deep dive on this show
1: see if you can find it
0: yeah i'm i'm going to i wish yeah i i would love to see it that sounds fun so how long were you a part of uh this this tv show
1: we did it for six months, and then for the first time in history, the show didn't get canceled. The network got canceled. So, <laughs> Mojo, they're like, we're not going to be a thing anymore. I think now they're like a storage center somewhere in Pasadena. <laughs> but they, the network shut down, so we're like, all right. So, we ended up, three people I worked with went over, and we started working for a production company that had a deal at NBC Universal, uh-huh. and... We were just doing development, and so it was a lot of reading script, which was, like, the best thing ever. Because you're reading a script, and you're like, oh, this is so well written. This is where the bar is. And then you'd read a submission, and you're like, this person has an agent? Oh, my God. i got to keep going. i got to keep trying. Yeah. So the whole time I was doing that was writing on the side and writing on the weekends, just constantly writing. And an opportunity came for an agent to read a script of mine, and he said, hey, not bad but I think maybe I can get you staffed on a show. And so I left that assistant job doing development, to go work on an MTV show called Zack Stone is going to be famous. Okay. And Bo, Bo Burnham was the star. And hopefully people know who Bo is because he's incredible. And his videos are very funny. He just wrote, directed that movie, eighth grade. That came out this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were yeah So we worked on that show and it was awesome because everybody in the room was young. And just, it was amazing. It was like, if we write this, are they going to put it on TV? And they put it on TV. Yeah. And they canceled it. Uh. Because the premise of the show was, hey, don't want to be famous, kids. It's bad. And MTV's like, this goes against everything we believe in. So the show was not long for this world. So we did one season and then it was canceled. Okay. And then I was like, well, I'm a writer, so I got to go do more writing. And then there were no jobs. Yeah. Couldn't I couldn't get a job for almost two years. I was doing kind of freelance stuff, writing some animated ideas, and then I did get a great job, which was I wrote the sentences for the national spelling bee. <laughs> so if you have ever watched the national spelling bee, uh when they say can I have that in a sentence? Yeah. So I did, once the show started being aired on ESPN they're like, Let's make it fun.
0: Yeah.
1: So like, let's have some comedy sentences. So basically with a, with a guy that I had ridden with on Zach Stone, who was in the spelling bee as a child, he and I wrote the sentences for the National Spelling Bee. Wow. But so we would write some, and then we would fly down to D.C., and we'd have to write them on the live event. So I actually, despite the fact I never made a team, the back of my head has been on ESPN.
0: <laughs> there you go. Which is more than most, most folks uh, who are... In the class of 2004 and on sports teams can say. Well was, well, well done. i
1: the, the least athletic programming featuring the least athletic person from the class of 2004. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I did, I did that for a couple a of years. It was, a, it was a full-time job. but It was a great gig. Yeah. It kind of kept me a little bit fresh. And It was kind of just a funny thing to have on the resume when we go out for more uh, job interviews. Yeah. But thankfully, I did land into another um, TV show. So yeah. it worked out.
0: And so was that, the, was that what led to Modern Family? Or where are we at in terms of timing?
1: There, there was another show before Modern Family called Angie Tribeca. And okay. it was on TBS. And it was kind of in the vein of like an airplane and a naked gun. Got it. And that show was great because TBS was like, whatever you want to do. So I remember we wrote in like, what if there's a, a, a monkey doctor? Because like, this is like how crazy this show is. <laughs> It was like a a crime recreation specialist named like Dr. Luigi. And we're like, what if it's a chimpanzee? And then like the next day, there's a chimpanzee there (laughs) who can put on glasses.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Oh,
1: wow. I did that job. Um, I was on that show for a year. It just finished. I think they just filmed its fourth season, but I was there for a year. And after that year, um, I got on staff at Modern Family.
0: That's really cool.
1: It worked out. Yeah.
0: Okay So You know Obviously you're You're on Modern Family And I I, I It sounds like you're Really happy there Which is great um, Have you ever thought About writing Like your own movie Or anything like that
1: Yeah You always have like A little side Dream project But it's also like You know the show's Going to be wrapping up I think I think there'll be A season 11
0: Yeah I don't I don't want to I don't want to put you In a position where you're uh, Betraying any Behind the scenes secrets
1: we're gonna I don't think the asteroid's gonna hit till next season
0: oh okay so
1: alright well there we yeah, go I don't, wanna, I don't wanna ruin anything yeah
0: that's breaking right there
1: <laughs> the whole thing was a dream
0: yeah <laughs> there we go Ed,
1: Ed O'Neill's character from uh, Married with Children wakes up that's, it, that's the weirdest dream
0: oh my god that would be <laughs> that'd be incredible um, no so what's what, yeah what's what you are working on on the side if you can talk about it
1: oh everyone just always has like passion projects, but also just like it's good to write new ideas and kind of stay fresh that way. Yeah. But, you know, looking ahead, there's so many now opportunities in TV or what we call TV because everything is streaming, but not just where it's headed. But yeah, I think when Modern Family ends, I'll have to take a look and see what's out there. And it's it's, it's it's a very exciting time. Yeah. There's almost too much stuff.
0: I was going to say, there's just this volume of content now where it's, you know, every streaming service, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, everybody's just cranking out uh, new content almost every, you know, every month. It seems like there's four or five new shows.
1: Four or five shows at Netflix is now like committed to making like 90 DVD movies. Yeah. Average a year. And we're an average movie studio makes about 40 or 50. Yeah. So they're just going for it. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting when the show ends to see, yeah, what's out there and dip it oh and check out the streaming. Cause right now we're on, you know, network TV, but right. I don't know how much longer that's gonna be around for.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. Let's let's talk a little bit about um if you have any thoughts or advice for anyone at BC High who's listening and is thinking about Possibly, you know going into this going into show business going into writing going into comedy writing anything like that if, if they're sitting and they're listening to this, what would you have to say to them?
1: Do not because I don't need the competition.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's
1: I'm fair. kidding. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding. No, I'm totally kidding.
0: <laughs> Stay away
1: <laughs> oh, please. Imagine if I was serious with them. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, and you're like that's it. That's my answer. <laughs>
1: I find out you came out here. I will crush you.
0: I will find you and I'll make sure you never get a job. No. Um,
1: no, I would say absolutely go for it. It's like, if you survive four years at BCI, you're probably a pretty funny person. <laughs> and you have, you maybe have some, something to talk about. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, but if you do want to write, you have to write. You can't, you know, you have to just constantly be writing. That, think that maybe sounds like tired advice, but it's the truest advice that I ever got. Yeah. Was, if you have a free moment, if it's your passion, you have to pursue it fully. And there's nothing worse than a blank page, so fill it up. But tell your story. Don't, you know, if you're into sci-fi, write sci-fi. If you want to tell a small story, tell a small story. There's now so many outlets, and the need for creative voices is at, like, an all-time high. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, BC High creates some pretty good thinkers, so come out and share that, you know.
0: Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um I have a quick question a little aside for you. did you ever do did you ever do or write stand up?
1: No, oh my God, I'm terrified of speaking in front of people. <laughs> okay. The, the idea that more than three people will listen to this is giving me a panic attack, right? Now. <laughs> I would prefer to be in a room with more no more than three people. Gotcha uh, so no i never I never did any stand up, but that's also a great outlet if you're into it.
0: Yeah, no, no, I was just curious because I feel like um. I was thinking back to the Senior Follies, and thinking. I remember thinking that you and everyone on that stage that night did a really good job, and that f- a lot of the folks in our class could go and do stand-up and be probably pretty successful.
1: I I, could, I think that's true. Yeah. I, re- I do remember that night, Having now you brought it up, maybe losing a third of my body weight in sweat through <laughs> my hands. And if there was video, and I don't think it should be found, but if there is... Pretty sure my hands are in my pockets the whole time, and I'm moving, swaying constantly because I'm like, "Keep it together, keep it to- together." Gotcha. He's got this. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, cool. Any any final or parting thoughts for folks who might be listening?
1: Guess what? If you don't make a sports team, there's always comedy writing. Yeah. And it's there's nothing wrong with crying and reading your yearbook.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There you go. There's nothing wrong with crying and reading your yearbook. Good. Well. Um,
1: also, and please, everyone, make sure you listen to the Phil Perry episode. Okay, Phil paid me ten thousand dollars to plug it. <laughs> <Stop. laughs> uh, I do that. And also, you can follow him. I think it's at Bill A Perry at Twitter. Is yeah. that right?
0: Do you wanna? Do you wanna plug your Twitter handle or no?
1: No, absolutely not. Okay. Fair I don't need people judging my oil paintings. That's all. My <laughs> just selling oil paintings.
0: Oh, right. This has been, uh, this has been good. This has been a lot of fun. So, um, thank you again for taking time out on Christmas Eve. Uh, just want to say a very Merry Christmas to you, uh, your family and your wife, obviously.
1: You as well. Thanks so much, Rick. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. If, yeah. Unless this is airing in February, then Happy Groundhog's Day, President.
0: <laughs> no, no, this is, <laughs> this is going to air in, uh, on New Year's Eve, actually.
1: Oh my goodness. All right. Everyone be responsible Be safe. Use Uber. (laughs) Okay?
0: This is good. Awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. And uh, like I said, Merry Christmas and really appreciate you taking time.
1: All right. Merry Christmas. Happy New
0: Year. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. That wraps up this New Year's Eve episode of Back to the Point. Uh, Huge thank you to Ryan, as I mentioned at the outset, for just, you know, avoiding his family on Christmas Eve morning for... Uh, 45 minutes to talk to me Um, really appreciate it it's dedication right there and uh, very grateful Ryan so if you're listening which I hope you are thank you very much Uh, thank you also to our very talented and also very dedicated sound editor Kristen Brophy who uh, took the time to edit this podcast over kind of the new year's weekend so thank you Kristen uh, thank you also to everyone at BC High who makes this podcast possible on a regular basis. Um, very grateful to everyone. Um, and thank you to all of you for listening uh, and hopefully subscribing. This is the last podcast of 2018. Uh, you know, and we launched this this fall, and, and we were just, we, we wanted to do something to kind of tell BC High's story through its people, as, as I've talked about. Uh, and we didn't really know where it was going to go. We didn't know if it was going to be received well. We didn't know um, where we were going to end up, uh, but you know, here we are—a um, good number of episodes in—with uh, some really great stories, kind of on the record, if you will. And I just have to say that I'm really grateful uh, to all of you, to to everyone that's listened, to everyone that's subscribed, to everyone that's. Sent feedback or you know mentioned to me or anyone in, who's involved with the podcast that they enjoy it or have mentioned uh, you know things we can do better or differently, all of it. I'm just really really grateful um, for all of that and for, for this kind of being a possibility and, and for continuing. So thank you to everyone who's, who supported it uh, by listening. We've got some kind of cool ideas. Uh, for 2019 and I think you you know we're gonna keep trying new things we're gonna keep kinda pushing the envelope uh, from a format standpoint uh, and trying to bring in new guests and putting them in um, maybe some non-traditional podcast settings uh, to kind of you know see where this goes and see what works and what doesn't um, But I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited to see where this all goes in 2019 because 2018's been a blast. So thank you again. Um, And Happy New Year to everybody that's listening. Um, I hope hope 2019 is great. I really do. Uh, We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. See ya.